Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Tuesday, April 13th. Hope your week was off to a great start. We've got some headlines coming out this morning. Um, maybe not so good headlines coming out this morning when it comes to vaccinations. We'll talk about that more when Dave joins us up next. But before we do, let me remind you, there's only one thing that any of us can control within our retirement plans and within our investment portfolios. And that's how much risk you have in your current portfolio. And if you don't know exactly what that number is, please give us a call and schedule your financial x-ray. 863-382-0037. Or you can go to our website at statlerfinancial.com. And there's a link to our calendar right there. Hey, I look forward to speaking to you guys real soon. Talking to Dave coming up next. It's 21 here before 9 at your 105.7 Light FM. That magical sound of money means we're going to talk about your markets and find out how your IRA and your 401k are treating you this morning. It was an eh day. Excuse me, an eh day yesterday on the stock market. Let's discuss what's likely to happen today. Downtown Sebring, we go to the offices of Statler Financial Services. Philip Statler standing by. Sorry, I had a little bit of donut in my mouth there for a second, Philip. Yeah, was the action for yesterday. I'm kind of racking yesterday up to a mild degree of profit-taking, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. After last week's great numbers coming out, I think that we did see some profit taking on Monday um, because I didn't really see any other reason for any declines, uh, really, when you looked at the numbers. So uh, I think that uh, we did see some profit taking yesterday and we could see a little follow through today because of some of the news out there. Uh, yeah, we could very well. Yeah, I'd call a 55-point drop on the Dow a minor bit of topping off the profit. NASDAQ was off by 50 points, and the uh, Standard & Poor's 500 was off by a rock-crushing 81 hundredths of a point. That was mostly just uh, taking some short-term gains and uh, running with the cash, I suspect. We start this morning out with the uh, CPI numbers, consumer inflation out of the federal government, and this might cause more of a stir than if it weren't for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine story this morning. Uh, core CPI was off. The full CPI consumer inflation was off by a tenth of percent. I was looking at the year-over-year -year numbers, though, and the economists were saying they were expecting an annualized consumer price index inflation rate of 1.5%. Government says 2.6%. After Paulson talking about not being worried about inflation on 60 Minutes last night, that's got to raise an eyebrow or two. Yeah, I got to think that Paulson should be happy. The Fed should be happy with that number, right? 2.6. I mean, man, that's right in their ballpark of what they want uh, inflation to be. But I, I still, unfortunately, don't think that they're going to make any adjustments to interest rate. Even if we saw inflation get up to 3 or 4%. This year, I think we're still going to see them hold the line on interest rates. Well, that's basically what Paulson said on 60 Minutes, that we're not going to tap the brakes for almost anything uh, because he's not overly worried about inflation. I think they're kind of figuring, and you mentioned this a while ago, that they're talking about a smoothed average. If we have a 35 or a 4% inflation rate this year, they'll just average it together with basically but nothing last year, last year and say, well, we hit 2%, dog on it. Exactly. And that is uh, that's concerning to me as a consumer, because it means that they're not going to jump in until 
inflation could be very rampant um, and we could see prices going crazy before they start tapping the brakes. Well, you got to keep in mind, too, that the federal, our, our Federal Reserve is not exactly blessed with a good worldwide reputation uh, for its ability to respond quickly to economic stimulus. I mean, uh, we historically have either overreacted or underreacted to stuff, even when they say they are watching it month by month. So now we start shrugging it off and saying, well, we're taking a multi-year average. Heck, we could be back to the Carter years before they do anything about it. Yeah, that's right. And that is scary, Dave. That's very scary um, because we had super inflation back in that time period. I don't think we've seen anything like that since. So um, and granted, we're spoiled. We've seen 10 years of or more of really low inflation. But uh, but, but let's, uh, uh, you know, let's just hope that the Fed uh, knows what they're doing. Oh, uh, Lord. Yes. Uh, I, I was I was one of those poor boobs that had a 13 percent home mortgage back then. Believe me, I don't want to see days like that again. Looking at uh, the marketplace, that really I mean, the inflation number obviously makes a difference. But the big difference in the market this morning so far is that Johnson and Johnson story about 5 a.m., uh, you look at the uh, futures market curves, and they're going along happily a little bit above the zero mark. And then all of a sudden, everything just well, it's not a major sell-off. This isn't Armageddon, but I mean, you know, the, it looked like we fell off a cliff for about 200 points on the Dow just all at once, and that was uh, the decision to uh, put a hold on the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine, and that's not making the markets confident a bit, is it? No, it's, it's really not, and it's really put some pressure on Johnson & Johnson, and it's helped Moderna um, stock price at least today. Uh, you know, Johnson and Johnson, because of that announcement, is down about two and a quarter percent right now, and uh, and, and Moderna had earlier been up about seven percent. It's uh, still up pretty close to seven percent right now, based on that news. <laughs> I'm surprised Johnson and Johnson is only off by two or two and a half percent, just given what the market ended up doing. It it's uh, to get to flesh it out for everybody. There's a very very rare and a minuscule share of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine doses that have produced a very rare blood, a blood clot syndrome. Without minimizing, it did kill at least one person, so it's, a, it's certainly nothing to just shrug off. But at the same time, it's a minuscule percentage of things. And uh, from what you've been reading, the CDC does know the proper protocol and what to watch for. So now that we know that it's there, we can actually prevent any uh, catastrophic incidents. Well, I think so. I think that's what they're really waiting for is to really determine um, exactly what it is and if the protocol they, they think they need will work for this rare blood clotting disorder. Um, and so and to make people aware of it, because otherwise, if you go in with this uh, condition um, and they treat it like a regular blood clotting situation, that doesn't work. And so they're really wanting to make sure and make people aware of what it is. And I think they've paused it for that very reason, to kind of hype it up a little bit, get every the medical profession looking for that if, if somebody has had the Johnson Johnson vaccine. And it, it's really kind of interesting because it's only been females that have uh, contracted this specific disorder uh, between the ages of 18 and 48. And so uh, there's been six so far. And uh, here in the United States, now, there have been some others, I guess, over in Europe. I, there was a brief mention of that, not necessarily any direct numbers. So 
Now, I think they'll probably pause it just like they did with Moderna and Pfizer when they had those allergic reactions and, uh, and they wanted to make sure that they had the pro- protocols in place to handle that if it popped up again. Yeah, again, to keep in mind, you know, once again, it's a serious reaction, and we're not minimizing that. But uh, public health reaction is, as you say, a solid one. They're basically saying, okay, guys, pause for a minute here. Let's make sure we've got our poop in a group and know what we're going to do if this happens to one of our patients and then go forward with it because the incidence number is, you know, like, you know, one in a million type numbers. That's right, because, I mean, they've done over six million vaccines, almost seven million and there's been six people. So, um, you know, very, very small percentage, but no doubt still something that need to be looked into, give them the time to do what they need to do to clear it and set those protocols in place. Uh, it, it is putting pressure, like you said, on Johnson & Johnson, um, but let's face it, you know, they were having some issues with production anyway. And so, uh, you, you know, states were only gonna get about, I think, 20% of what they were expecting to get this this week too. So all in all, it may not be as drastic of, a, of an issue as long as it gets resolved within this week. Understood. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. It was Johnson & Johnson that had that funky bottle problem at their factory for a while too, didn't they? Exactly. So, you know, it's scaled back production. Uh, I think it's this week specifically that, that, uh, that they're only getting about 20% of what they expected. Okay. The other item that does it, and again, addressing all of this, we're spending time on it because, yes, it affects one stock, but if there's one thing that we repeat over and over again, the one thing that money and markets don't like is uncertainty. And one of the three major vaccines being put on hold for a week or so, well, that's kind of... uh, poster child for uncertainty. The other element of uncertainty that's out there that's uh, giving folks a case of the willies is the CDC overnight said uh, they uh, suggested strongly to the state of Michigan that they quote and unquote close things down. And the governor there has basically said she plans on uh, shutting the state down and doing another shutdown for a while up in Michigan. Uh, Nobody wants to see that spread to other states either. And it gives the markets a little case of the willies as well, I assume. Uh, it could. I mean, we're seeing actually some bounce back from where we were saw when we first started talking. Hey, the other thing, though, is we're talking about the vaccine and shutting things down. Mm-hmm. Um, Great Britain actually is 97 percent below their numbers when they hit their all time highs. In, in new cases being developed since they really oh. kind of shut things down over there. So some good news over there in Great Britain. Um, I found something else kind of interesting. They surveyed the population over there to see how many people thought that they would actually eventually go back to work in an office. Mm-hmm. 5% of the people think that they'll never open back up to get in an office. They'll always work from home. <laughs> you know, I've seen figures over here too, a bunch of people that have been working from home discovered, well, you know, hey, the Internet's kind of cool. I could work in my skivvies. I don't think I want to go back to the office again. There are going to be some sea changes uh, that are going to take place as we start to, quote, and unquote, reopen. A whole bunch of people are going to discover that working from home really ain't all that bad. Well, that, that's right. But we're also seeing home offices saying, yeah, you may like it, but we want you back here at the office. That's, that's the other thing. There are some jobs that are just more efficient being done at home. 
I've got a bunch of friends in the radio industry that have been doing morning shows on telephone lines and uh, uh, the TV anchors up in Tampa. What are the TV stations are doing their entire newscasts out of their living rooms? Eventually, the convenience of being in a studio in the case of media or in the office, in the case of a lot of jobs that's going to start becoming mandatory again. I think so. I think that will definitely become a place. And, you know, for people that do want to work from home, it's going to become a, quote, benefit of, uh, of some employers that, that may make that work in some industries. Understood. Well, resetting the table this morning, last we mentioned, was a profit-taking day yesterday on Wall Street. Dow was off 55. Standard & Poor's was less off than one. And uh, the NASDAQ was off by 50. Nothing earth-shaking by any measure. It sounds like we're talking about Armageddon this morning with that bend downward in the futures. It isn't all that bad, but there's definitely some downward pressure at the moment. Where are we going 45 minutes early, Philip? Actually, we've seen kind of a, uh, other than the Dow, we've kind of seen a, a switch around here. Uh, we do have the Dow is still in negative territory. It's uh, down $73 right now, which is less than a quarter of a percent. Uh, we do have the S&P 500 basically flat right now and the NASDAQ up a half a percent. So um, uh, not, uh, not all bad. And we've got silver up 1.4%, gold up a third of a percent. And then crude oil, you know, it closed yesterday below 60, but uh, today we're going to open above 60, it looks like. We're at $60.27. That's up almost 1% this morning. And it's not a long distance away from what was yesterday morning. A little stability would be nice, preferably below 60. Sounds to me like we had a little bit of shock value from the uh, Johnson & Johnson announcement, and everybody's calming down a bit on the markets. Doesn't it look that way? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking so. Plus, you you know, you we're looking at the CPI. Obviously, didn't affect much either. Um, so, so maybe we'll open up to the plus side across the board, which would be good good for the markets. And flat wouldn't be bad for a day either after the big run-up we had at the end of last week. Overseas markets, it was kind of directionless on both sides of the pond. The Asian markets were kind of plus or minus either side of the zero mark by not much. Europe's doing about the same over there midway through their day. Philip, we don't know what outside events can do to our money, and sometimes they surprise us by going the way we don't expect them to. When they don't go the way you plan, though, that can mess up a retirement fund. How do I get a hold of you in order to uh, ensure my retirement is fruitful? You're so right, Dave, and that's one of the things. We want to be a resource for our community when it comes to the retirement planning and income planning and those type of things. Give us a call at 863-382-0037 to schedule your financial x-ray. Go to our website, statlerfinancial.com. And then join us this weekend for the Statler Financial Radio Show, 6 a.m. at noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Highlands News Talk, 730. And back here tomorrow with the beginning of uh, Fanfare, if you please, earnings season, right? Yes, sir. We'll kick it off with some of the banks in the morning. All righty. I'll see you then. Thank you, Philip. Have a good day. All right. You too. Take care. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services. Philip Statler. From the pit. Hey, folks, again, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that you have a great day. Again, we want to be a resource for you in the community. Anything dealing with finances, if I can be of any help, please reach out. Give us a call at 863-382-0037. Have a great day. I look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Take care.